Recovery Sort Of is a podcast where we discuss recovery topics from the perspective of people living in long-term recovery. This podcast does not intend to represent the views of any particular group, organization, or fellowship. The attitudes expressed are solely the opinion of its contributors. Be advised, there may be strong language or topics of an adult nature. Welcome back to Recovery Sort Of. I'm Jason, a guy in long-term recovery. And I'm Billy. I'm also a person in long-term recovery. And we're talking about Tradition 4. Each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or NA as a whole. Not going to lie, sounds awful boring, so bear with us. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm like putting on my super excitement to try to make it not sound as terrible as it does. Honestly, this just seems like the, ri- the most ridiculous say-nothing tradition on earth. Because, I, I mean, so each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or NA as a whole. Basically saying every group can run itself and nobody can tell it what to do unless it affects everybody. But I feel like I could make a case that everything could affect everybody. And so it really does not help me whatsoever about what groups are allowed to do and aren't. Yeah, that's where it gets tricky. And we talked about a few episodes back about some groups in the area that were saying that you couldn't drink coffee or smoke cigarettes or that you were using yeah. like actively in this area telling people they needed to get a white key tag and when we reached out to you know NA World Services for some direction on how to handle that they basically sent back a bunch of like snippets of literature that said <laughs> it was our problem. We needed to figure it out. Like we thought they would come back and be like, oh, that's you can't do that. You know, it's clearly a violation of these traditions. But they didn't at all. They said, hmm, well, groups are autonomous and you guys need to figure this out. Yeah. And that's where it doesn't make any sense. So can groups do whatever the fuck they want or are they really bound by some rule? And is there a a separation for like, oh yeah, they're clearly affecting NA as a whole. Because I could say about anything, oh, well, what if that's the only group an addict ever finds and that's the only meeting they ever attend and this is the information they get or whatever they, this is what they encounter, right? I don't understand how you can separate that. Yeah, maybe they don't consider that NA as a whole. Maybe that's just an individual. I don't know. But I, I am extremely bothered by the lack of clarity in this yeah. in this tradition so yeah. uh that's what we're going to talk about we got some other stuff to to you know housekeep i guess i hate that stupid word but whatever some other stuff we're going to talk about after that um but yeah i it, i know all the traditions are kind of written in a vague way for interpretation and you can kind of apply them how you want but i really feel like this one says nothing <laughs> nothing at all each group can do what they want unless we decide they can't do what they want is what this really says all right so looking into some of the reading, uh, one of the things I found, so this is actually straight out of the reading. It says in the reading, literally a dictionary definition. So I'm not giving <laughs> yeah. you a dictionary definition. Right. This is the reading. A dictionary defines autonomous as having the right or power of self-government undertaken or carried on without outside control. This means our groups are self-governing and not subject to outside control. Every group has had to stand and grow on its own. So I, I listen to that, right? And I know if people aren't familiar with the 12-step or the NA-type issues that go on, I mean, we've had issues. We say, oh, this home group's selling T-shirts. That's not right. That's not in our traditions. We've said these groups are selling old versions of our literature because apparently newer versions of our literature are owned by NA World Service and old versions were owned by the fellowship itself. And so they're selling old versions so that they don't have to buy them from World and they're printing them themselves. And that's supposedly illegal. And, and that's actually, from what I understand, NA World Services has actually stepped up and said, that's not okay. But if you read this thing right here that says people can pretty much do what they want and govern yeah. themselves, how do they say that's not okay? Right, what is their... Well, their their argument, at least with a lot of the literature stuff, has been like copyright infringement and what do they call that, like intellectual property arguments, you know? Like that's... They take it to legalese. Right, but I mean, if if the original copyrights of the versions these people are using are owned by the fellowship, then what's 
NA World Services. So I think that's the part that's debatable. Mm. That's the part that's being hashed out in court of who actually owns those copies and who they actually belong to. So if every group has the right or power of self-government without outside control, we really don't have the ability to say anything to anybody about what they do in their groups. Is that accurate? To some degree. I So for people that don't know, we have different types of meetings in 12-step fellowships. You can go to a meeting that's an open meeting that's for anyone. Like anyone can just show up and come into the meeting and... You know, you don't even have to be an addict. You can come. Or we have closed meetings where they're supposed to be just for people that are addicts or think they have a problem. We have. I'm so glad you said supposed to be. I'm like, who the fuck couldn't yeah. walk in and be like, yep, <laughs> I had a drug problem. Here <laughs> right. I am. Um, we have, you know, speaker meetings where you have someone come in and tell their story. You have open sharing meetings, tradition meetings, all those different things. So the idea behind this is that meetings can generally pick and choose things they like or don't like um in my re in my home group for example we don't specifically read all the readings you know some meetings they read all the readings and when i say all the readings there's like five or six of these readings that come out of our basic text that seems to be the format like if you went to most meetings in at least in this area or in most areas you would think there was a format handed down from the fucking higher-ups that said this right. is how a meeting starts, this is how it closes, because they are so similar, and yeah. they feel uh, the same. It, it feels like it, and there's a comfort in that, you know? When you go in, you have an expectation of what it's going to be. Because I've been to other meetings where they do things different, like, whoa, what the fuck are they doing here? Yeah. <laughs> like, why so, are they doing this? <laughs> and that's funny. So one of the quotes out of the literature is, meeting formats vary widely from group to group. Some are participation meetings, some speakers, some are question and answer, one you don't find very often, by the way. Yeah. And some focus on special problems discussion, which is another one I have not run into very often. But even though it specifically lists these as being fine and acceptable formats, when you walk into one that's different from what you're used to, it is like, oh, they're doing it wrong here. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and is... we have a funny thing called, you know, double dip in or people that right. share more than once. Go to a meeting where they don't limit that shit and oh, you get people that share three or four times. Like, I want to jump out of my fucking chair. Yes. <laughs> like, dude, you already talked. You can't talk anymore. <laughs> I ran into that in another fellowship and I was like, is that not like the common code around here? Right. You don't double dip. That's <laughs> right. so icky. So even though we don't have set, you know, formats, there is a general, general way that you feel like most meetings are supposed to run. And, and that does create a type of uniformity or this is just what we do because that's what everybody else is doing. And I think this tradition reminds us like we don't have to do that. You know what I mean? You can have a different type of meeting. You can do, you know basically whatever you want as long as you're a couple of addicts getting together to follow the traditions follow the steps you know and try to stay clean that's really all you need to have a meeting i think my home group's going to go to a a nudist home group (laughs) (laughs) i think that's going to be our new rule and i guess it all yeah there you go (laughs) well and to make it current so i know of a group right now um i guess i can say it's my home group where we meet each week and no one wears masks. Or, I mean, you can if you want to. I mean, you don't have to not. I mean, we don't make you take it off. Take your mask off. But when you go in, 90% of the people in the meeting are not wearing masks. And that, if I understand correctly, and I'm going to just say, I I think that's illegal. (laughs) I don't even think we're, I'm not even sure, yeah, at this point, if, if that's legal or not legal. But, the the point is that's very rare, you know, now. Most meetings that are inside, if you go in, you have to wear a mask. It's uncomfortable, you know what I mean? Nobody, well, I think it's uncomfortable. It's not terrible, but it sucks sitting there in a mask. Can you break a law and not break a tradition? Is that possible? Uh, oh, yeah, I would think so. You think? <clears throat> yeah. I don't know. I mean, if you have a, uh, what's that, like a restraining order or something against you, against someone else, and you shouldn't be going to that meeting the traditions aren't going to tell you you shouldn't go to that meeting i would think the spiritual principles of the tradition somehow incorporate following the <laughs> Some law way or another we could make that work out <laughs> i would think that like you know the 
spiritual principles would be follow the law of the land somehow. Ain't it anything I ever read? Oh man, it's got honesty, <laughs> acceptance, surrender. Like something's got to be in there. I don't yeah. know. I ain't thought it through real well, but yeah. I mean, that's just one that I think of as you know, as, as something that's come up, or you know, what, like say, what about like a fucking fire code where you have a building that's overloaded with too many people? I mean, is that violating a tradition? Is that affecting na as a whole i mean because i've been to meetings where there's way too many not actually in the covid time but before i mean we've done some traveling around and we went to meetings out in california where there were like hundreds of people crammed into rooms with you know people standing around all the chairs were full and it was like this can this is not safe there you go if you ever wanted to wipe out na fires that's how you do it (laughs) yeah (laughs) people would never get out um so I don't know. I just feel like it would fit in there somewhere. Like that's got to affect NA as a whole if we're losing our ability to meet. If our primary purpose is to help the still suffering addict and that's the group's only goal and you lose your meeting place, you can't do that. And so I would think following the rules would have to fit in there in order to keep your meeting place. Oh, you just get a new meeting place. People do that all the time. If you keep not following the rules, you're going to keep losing it though. Oh, you find a place that doesn't care. (laughs) (laughs) The park. (laughs) Who knows? All right, so, uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't know. You say taking that to to more modern problems. I'm thinking a group that just goes ahead and says, hey, uh, Suboxone's clean. Everybody that wants to be on Suboxone and celebrate, this is your home group. Like, come on in. We don't give a shit. How, is that, is that okay? Yeah, um, I mean, is it okay by me or, I mean, that's, so, some of these get specific and what we ran into in our area when we had this years back, the direction from world service was basically like, that was our area's issue to work out that mm-hmm. there wasn't really any way that like we had no authority and world service had no authority to go in and, and shut this group down that the group was there and it existed. It was autonomous and that, you know what we, at the time for us, we were trying to figure out what to do. Ultimately, I think what we thought we could do was just remove them from our meeting schedule, mm-hmm. but we couldn't necessarily stop the meeting from existing. Like we had no authority to whatever, call the fucking police or <laughs> go in and revoke their anything, you know? So I guess in that context, what I think would happen is nothing. You know, it would be up to an area whether you wanted to keep that group on a schedule or whether you wanted to continue to support that group or how you would do that did you have safeties in your elementary school like some of the older kids wore these like orange yeah. cross strap people and they were the yeah. safeties i picture like na safeties walking into that meeting and like revoking their their <laughs> na access <laughs> right you're not allowed to meet here anymore <laughs> yeah and i mean well this gets a little off but theoretically aren't people supposed to be able to come in and look at your books too if they want <laughs> like really? isn't that a thing that can look at your treasury logs or what you're doing with it yeah can they? I, that's what I've I always heard. Never heard that. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Anyway, it it gets into that. Like, who the fuck is in charge? You know, who gets to decide who's in charge or who has the right to decide what's right or wrong? All this shit is just so not laid out clearly. This isn't like uh, you wear blue hats or you don't come, right? Like, this is so arbitrary. Yeah. And I think most of our fellowship is. So we we generally talked a little bit about this a week or two ago jason and i i don't think it was on the podcast but i think people are shocked when they find out that na is just a bunch of fucking addicts getting together and (laughs) making up some meetings like we don't have you know like i mean we have some titles that we give to people but they're just other addicts like we don't have we don't go out and hire professionals on how to do outreach or how to do h and i meetings in hospitals and institutions like we just get together as addicts and we talk about it and try to figure it out and unfortunately that comes with a lot of stumbling blocks you know Mm. a lot of mistakes but in that light of like we're just a bunch of people putting together this crazy shit on our own and in the light of man there's no real definitive answers in steps or traditions it's very much interpretation and how you want to look at it 
we got some people who argue this shit like it is gospel and they want to bludgeon each other over it. Oh, yeah. And that's like baffling when you realize how little clarity there is in it. Like, what are you really arguing? I was one of those people for a long time. And, and not. I didn't want to own it. I mean, yeah, right. <laughs> Part of it was some obviously self righteousness because I think that I'm right. But there was also a, a passion and what felt like a responsibility to p- try to protect, you know, right. the fellowship and the program and, and what it represents and what it did for me in my life. And now I'm just as passionate about what the program does for me in my life but a more understanding of like kind of to each his own like this works differently for different people and if you can come in and and not really work steps but stay clean and find a home here and your life gets better who the fuck am i to judge that you know what i mean like why is it my place to tell you you're doing it wrong like as a guy who likes to be right (laughs) i argued frequently that i was because I thought my understanding was very, very good of all this, right? And looking at it now, I'm baffled at how I could have thought I had, there was a right way. Because all this shit could go 46 different ways, <laughs> and they all meet the yeah. criteria of the words in the traditions and the steps. And I'm like, what kind of idiot thinks they know the right way when there's a billion right ways, obviously? Like, then... This doesn't, this goddamn tradition doesn't say anything and it really bothers me. (laughs) I like rules and laws, apparently. I don't know. I like order and this just feels like chaos to me. Yeah, a lot of people do. I mean, we want a clear, definitive, black and white, right or wrong answer on things. And, you know, the more we dig in, the more we realize there isn't really right or, you know, what helps one person might not help somebody else. And like my home group, I know it's not the most popular meeting for a lot of people. There's a lot of people that come there and be like, dude, that fucking meeting sucks. Like there isn't really recovery going on there. But there's a group of people that go there every week that love it. Like that's what their recovery is. And you can make judgments about whether you think that's good or bad or right or wrong. But those guys are staying clean. Mm. Their lives are getting better. They're trying to follow the program, I'm going to say, to the best of their ability. Maybe, you know, like they're trying to live this and apply this in their life. And people are there, going there, staying clean. Does that mean it's for everyone? No. Uh, This tradition tells us it doesn't have to be. It can be exactly what it is, and that's okay. I don't even, I like, it's not enough for me to choose between what's the right path forward and the wrong path forward. I need the rightest path forward. I'm trying to pick where to vote, go to on vacation this summer right now. And there's like 84 spots. And I'm like, I don't know which one's better than the other. <laughs> right. Like, they're all probably great, right. but I don't know which one's the best. I can yeah. find the rightest of the rights. And this tradition reads to me, hey, do whatever you want. It's great. Until yeah. it's not. <laughs> right. What the fuck does that mean? Right. It means nothing. Well, we were in a meeting the other day where they're in their format. They said something that was fucking wrong. Like they said, this reading oh, yeah. comes out of our basic text and it does not. <laughs> and both of us kind of looked at each other and chuckled because they read something that isn't in basic text. And they said it was. And then right. they read it anyway, which is something I don't particularly care for myself, you know. But it just it, it's amazing. And I. I. I don't know. Does that group have, I guess they have the right to do that. Neither of us went and fixed them, so they must yeah. be okay to do it. Well, and, and not only did they read that, but then they used it to mean or symbolize one particular thing, not the actual original meaning right, behind it. it. Yeah. And they all broke the original meaning behind it. Nobody <laughs> right. cared. They were like, yeah, alcohol, heroin, whatever. Yeah, like, and that's right. the point of it. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good meeting, though. Yeah, but that, I guess that group has the right to do that you know do they do they have the right to say that that's from the basic text when it's not <laughs> they did they did but did they, they have the right down. to <laughs> right. so what, what happened if you don't have the right to do something and you still do it did you like have the wrong to do it like what the <laughs> right. fuck does that mean yeah. well, you didn't have the right yeah you still but did it. the other cool thing for for my experience of recovery has been like traveling around the country and going to meetings in different areas you know, and just experiencing different stuff, meetings in different places and in, in different. And when I say different places, what I mean are facilities or churches or whatever. You know, there there becomes all these weird, um, you know, conditional things. I remember here we had a meeting in a uh, methadone clinic at one point in this local area. And that was like a hot 
button topic mm. there for a little bit of whether that was some sort of endorsement or how that, you know, affected NA as a whole because, you know, we're a program of abstinence, but we have a meeting in a methadone clinic and was there conflicts there? And again, ultimately, I guess this tradition won out because the meeting existed there for a long time. Mm. You know, it's not there anymore that actually that methadone clinic closed or moved somewhere else. And you ever been to a meeting there. that was scheduled in somebody's house? But that would be weird. I have not been to a meeting in a well, so it was in a house, but the house was owned by a church. So mm. it didn't yeah. feel like you were walking into a church, though. It felt like you were walking into somebody's basement, and that's right. what it was. It was like the the parish or the rectory house, whatever you call it, that I guess the pastor or priest lives in. Mm. It was a, that house, but in the basement, they had like a meeting room, right. but it definitely felt like it. I mean, when you showed up there, it was a fucking house, and you were pulling in somebody's driveway. <laughs> I mean, technically, that's what we're in right now, and they yeah. definitely have meetings here, and we've both been to a meeting in this basement of this house that we were sitting yeah. in. But I, I just think it would be different if it was somebody's house. Yeah. Well, and, and that was, I mean, the fucking people lived upstairs. Like, there was people living right. upstairs as their home, the pastor of the church and stuff, and so you had to kind of I don't want to say watch your language or anything, but it was like, hey, we're in someone's home, you know, be mindful. <laughs> I've met in some weird spaces. I can't think of any super awkward, though. I'm just picturing the schedule because it'll say, like, you know, Grace Beth Baptist Church, yeah. uh, this address, and it would be like Joe's house. <laughs> so that you reminded me, there was a meeting that was meeting up in a diner for a while. That was pretty controversial yeah, for. Weird. <laughs> yeah. It's not very anonymous. No, and the diner place said you had to buy stuff. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. You had to yeah. buy something to be at the meeting. So, and it ended up being a temporary thing. It, it was a case where, I guess, the meeting, whatever facility or church they were in, closed or mm. moved or whatever. So they were in the process of trying to find a new place. And in that process, they said, well, we're just going to meet at this. I can't even remember the name of the But I went there when the meeting was in the fucking diner restaurant like it was it was a little weird you were sitting in booths in like this back room yeah. and and i don't know how somebody there knew a manager or knew somebody and you could just order coffee i mean and they didn't make it wasn't like a fucking two drink minimum or nothing when you got there it was just you know if, if you had 15 people sitting around like people had to buy stuff and a lot of people just got coffee and nobody cared i mean it wasn't a huge deal but it was a little weird that was definitely weird We'd like to welcome you to the Sunrise Diner meeting of Narcotics <laughs> right. Anonymous. Yeah. There is a two coffee or piece of oh, pie like, minimum. And see, me, like, I love the autonomy of things. I like weird shit. So right. I went just for the, like, people were bitching about it. I'm like, well, I got to go check that out. <laughs> so I got to go be a part of that. I mean, how could we tell them they can't? Because Tradition 4 says they're autonomous, right? Yeah. Do they Are they affecting NA as a whole? Is there a tradition that says you can't be forced to buy something to come to a meeting? Yeah, right. I don't know. I don't think there is. charge an admission? <laughs> Can we? we I mean, we do it meeting. for conventions. We say it's right. whatever, not mandatory, but we still charge admission. Oh, it's definitely a mandatory admission. You got to wear that goddamn necklace to tell me bought it. Yeah. And then people get into the argument, that's different because it's a convention, not a meeting. I do, yeah, I don't know. Ooh. I'm going to start a home group with an admission price. <laughs> right. Waived for anybody that, you know, yeah. doesn't have the money. My home group's called the Cecil County Convention of Narcotics <laughs> Anonymous. <laughs> it happens every week. <laughs> and there's a $5 <laughs> admission. Here, have a necklace. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right, so another, uh, another thing I read We need to here. use the home group money to hire speakers. Yeah. Because that's what they do at conventions, and we'll, hire speakers. <laughs> we'll pay to put them up overnight. Because yeah, right. they're out of area. Um, yeah, so the next <laughs> reading... A Narcotics Anonymous group is any group that meets regularly at a specified place and time for the purpose of recovery, provided that it follows the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Narcotics Anonymous, which all are ambiguous and don't fucking say anything for a fact. So the only thing I found interesting in there was that it says it's a group, a Narcotics Anonymous group is any group that meets regularly at a specified place and time because there is now apparently an argument in the NA folds of whether virtual meetings are groups. Yeah. And I don't see where they have a leg to stand on in that argument. Of course they are. 
I don't, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> and I know some years back, I mean, before all this pandemic stuff, like that was an ongoing debate. I mean, you didn't see, you couldn't go on any world service and find Zoom meetings or online meetings. Like they didn't exist. You were not on you know, na.org slash meeting if you didn't have a physical place and location. Like, that did not exist three years ago. But that doesn't make any sense because the internet is a physical place. It doesn't, and that's what's hilarious is like, but up until this pandemic, people were like, well, that's not a meeting because it doesn't have a place. And yeah, it was like that's that was a thing that didn't exist. And I thought about that because we did some traveling and it was very hard to find meetings. And mm. I, I mean, had online meetings back then been like they are now, like easy to find and pretty much like a normal meeting. You still like, <laughs> yeah, I probably still would have skipped it. I mean, like, I'm too busy. I don't have an hour to sit and look These at my online computer. Online meetings are stupid. <laughs> That's what you just said. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's definitely opened everyone's eyes to the possibilities, you know, of, of what we can do and people that can be reached and. And there's still a debate of, uh, like, me personally, I don't like online meetings. Uh, and there's nothing wrong. I don't think they should be canceled, but I just, I don't care for them. It's not for me. And that's yeah. okay, too. It doesn't have to be. I mean, my wife joined a home group. Her home group only meets virtually. They don't mm-hmm. have a fucking facility. They meet at www. <laughs> that's the location. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't get the argument. I, I'll say I, my home group went back to in person, and I went in person this past week. and. It was nice, right? Once I got there, I didn't want to leave my house. I was like, God, this is so much easier when I just sit at home and, you know, share my screen with the readings on it for people. Like, yeah. that's my job. Well, will it be better? Will it be okay in the next couple of years when we have virtual, like, what do you call it? Like VR meetings where you put on the goggles. Have you seen some of it? They're, they're doing that in like the business world now for meetings. Like you put on goggles and you fucking walk into a boardroom and... It's very weird, but it's it's trying to bridge that gap of like, so you're not doing like a Zoom meeting per se. You're right. It's to create a feeling that you're physically in the presence of these other people. Very weird. Yeah, I want it to be like the holograms in the in the the Jedi's right when they had their little Jedi council or whatever. It was a couple people in person, and then the rest of the chairs <laughs> were just holograms yeah. and shit. I'm I'm down. Well, that I just think like it'd be meeting. hilarious to see everyone's like avatar. You know, <laughs> like I can make myself with big giant muscles. You know? uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> see, and I was thinking big giant breasts. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, if I was a chick, yeah. <laughs> chicks with like halter tops and mini skirts. Right. <laughs> so I my work uses uh, Microsoft Teams, and we were having a meeting the other day, and apparently there's a view where you can like view together or something, and so it had like the six of us sitting in a movie theater together, and I was just kind of looking at us, and we were all talking. Was, it was really weird, but it was <laughs> yeah. funny as hell. Yeah. So I don't know. I guess that's coming. I, I yeah, my son's got a VR. I tell you this, I put my son's VR on. It feels like you're somewhere else. Yeah. I was like doing a grocery store clerk thing or something or a convenience store clerk. And I threw a mug across the, the store, but it like bounced off a shelf. And so it was right there in front of me. And so I went to lean over the counter and like lean on the counter to reach it. There's no fucking counter there because I'm in virtual. Yeah. <laughs> I almost fell over. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, how quick my brain forgot <laughs> right, that so that yeah. is not there. Yeah, yeah it's, it's and tricky. Again, I, I can't say what's right or wrong. Everybody's a little different. I know for me, like, not directly in-person communication has always been a little bit tough. I mean, I was never a person that was big into phone call. You know, before we had cell phones and all that other stuff, when you had a regular telephone, like, you know, early in recovery, like I wasn't a person that would sit and talk on the phone a lot or make a lot of phone calls other than to say, hey, what are you doing? Can we get together? And then I would get together with my sponsor. Um, So for me, that form of communication has never been all that comfortable of not like sitting with someone face to face, but maybe the technology gets good enough where you can read because there's a, a lot of things that go on in interpersonal communication when you're when you're sitting in physical yeah, proximity yeah. to people. There's facial gestures and raising of eyebrows and mm-hmm. moving of hands and all those things. And, and some people, I, I guess you'd call it feed off of that a lot better. And for me, that's a big part of communication. I like that too, but I, I started getting better at phone calls when I moved up here and had to drive back and forth to Baltimore for a, a lot. So I would call people and it like made the time go really quick. And, and I 
got to keep some relationships with people in Baltimore that I didn't see so much. And now we've moved into like virtual calls. And so I'll, I'll video call my buddy Jack, who I never get to really see. And it's a, it's nice. Like it's, it's not something that my brain says you want to do this, but when I do it, I'm like, you know, it's really nice to connect with him, see his face, have an hour chat. And now, I mean, I do fucking video therapy from my closet. So yeah, and I, I know you can get better at those things too, or mm. I can get better at those things. I've I've done it. I sponsored a guy that lived in Florida at one point, mm. and he was, I mean, he put most of the effort into calling and stuff, but he would call, and that just became, like, that was our relationship that wasn't possible to get together. So we would sit and talk for a half hour, 45 minutes, you know, once every couple of weeks, and then when we did step work, we did always did it kind of virtually through FaceTime or voice call or whatever you want to call it, and, and it it worked out. It was different. It was, you know, something I wasn't used to, but I did it. I was willing and it worked out. Right. This episode has been brought to you by Voices of Hope, Inc., a nonprofit grassroots recovery community organization located in Maryland. Voices of Hope is made up of people in recovery, family members, and allies. Together, Members strive to protect the dignity and respect of those that use drugs and those in recovery by advocating for treatment, support resources, and mentoring. Please visit us at www.voicesofhopececilmd.org and consider donating to our cause. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So let's hit this next quote. It says, and this is after the format one. So we read about the formats. And this says, whatever the type or format a group uses for its meetings, the function of a group is always the same. To provide a suitable and reliable environment for personal recovery and to promote such recovery. Again, doesn't really tell you how to do that or what that looks like or if that's only... If there's only five ways to do that and there's 10 other ones that don't do that, like I imagine. So for me, I think an environment suitable for personal recovery and promoting personal recovery. The things I've seen that raise my attention to not being that arguments or or fights in meetings, Uh, definitely. I'm like, this is not good for my recovery. Um and the other thing that kind of stands out, which is terrible, this might just be my own shit and my own judgmentalness, but like, I get that some people need to come in and share about whatever it is they're going through in their recovery house, this, that, and the other. But when it, the meeting becomes a bunch of stuff that I just can't relate to and doesn't sound like recovery, sounds like, I don't know, I hate to say bitching or complaining because I think we all have a right to voice our concerns about things not going well, but. I, to me, there's like a recovery way to do that and a not recovery way <laughs> to do that, right? And and the not recovery way is like avoiding any personal reflection or or like how did I contribute to this or what can I do about it or any of that. It's just, oh my God, life treats me terrible and that's, somebody should fix that for me. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I can't really, I don't know what that is. But when I hear like a bunch of shares like that in a row, I'm like, this meeting ain't helping my recovery at all. <laughs> like, I don't know if this is conducive to a recovery environment. Yeah, but I mean, maybe it helps those people. Maybe. You know, yeah. I, I don't know that this tradition means that every me. you know, we get into this with a couple of these traditions. I don't think it, the traditions are meant to say that every person that ever walks into the door needs to feel this way or you know what I mean needs to agree with these things it just needs to create an atmosphere and an atmosphere of recovery for you might be different than an atmosphere of recovery for me might be different than an atmosphere of recovery for the guy in the recovery house and for him that like-minded experience of that fucking asshole that's 
won't clean the bathroom at the recovery house, you know, like that could be the thing that helps him get another day clean and, and find his way. And of course, you hope as people grow that they'll outgrow some of the self-centeredness and some of the uh, more focusing on themselves. But I know my, I mean, I'm sure when I first came in, I shared some completely dumb shit, you know, that Definitely. probably made not a lot of sense <laughs> with well, no personal responsibility. Well, and I think, so that's, okay, a couple of things to pick out of what you just said there. I I agree, right? I don't think every meeting should be for me or, or, or suit my personal tastes. And I do believe there's a wide variety, right? I guess I'm thinking more along the lines of, the home group that is run in a way where we just let the atmosphere go out the window, right? So, so a home group that's not really, I guess I've always read and thought that my job as a home group member is to kind of keep the topic on recovery. And that doesn't have to be anything mean. I don't have to shut anybody up, but after maybe like two or three, not so recovery oriented chairs, maybe I should just speak up and share something recovery oriented to try to get us back on track or, or, to at least provide a counterpoint to, you know, I don't know, maybe somebody share and I still use and it's great. Like I, whatever it might be shared in a meeting. So if there's a home group that's not stepping up and like changing the, 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 the climate of the meeting or something, if nobody's changing that and, and that is the home group members too, and everybody's just blaming the world at some point, five, six, seven, eight shares deep, I'm like, Oh man, like, does anybody want to make this a recovery meeting and then to go further from there yeah it's not it doesn't have to be for everybody and not every meeting is going to be for me but at what point do we say and i have no idea how you would figure this out anyway uh yeah 99 percent of people think this meeting is some bullshit right like yeah it doesn't have to be for everybody but if 99 out of 100 people walking in that door say oh my god this meeting makes me want to get high maybe that's there's something to be said about that meeting not being a suitable and reliable environment for recovery, like this tradition says. Yeah, but shouldn't we have a place for that 1%? I mean, maybe that 1% Should goes we? into those <laughs> other meetings and goes, what, these fucking guys are uptight and too serious and fucking, this is bullshit. Mm. <laughs> like, I don't get any of this. I don't function in this. I mean, because I immediately think back to my home group. There are people that would legitimately say that is not an atmosphere of recovery, you know? Like, and I, I don't know that I would 100% disagree. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I've had my doubts of, like, what are we doing here? And, and I try to do my part to make sure it's focused on recovery. But again, I've come to believe that that's our right. And there are mm. people that come there and get something out of that meeting and it keeps people clean and gives them a place to be accountable, keeps a door open for, you know, and obviously I say all that a little bit in jest because typically, you know, my home group has some guys that have some time in there. And when newer people come in, it, it we can get a little more serious and a little more right. recovery focused. And if someone is hurting or suffering, it's definitely, you know, people respond to that well, but in general, like, it's a group of people that don't really take themselves or recovery or any of this entirely seriously. And, in fact, there's a lot of sarcasm and sort of dark humor and bad jokes that sort of fly around. And there's a lot of people that find that very off-putting. And me, at times. I mean, I've been offended to the point where I'm not, I'm not fucking coming back here. These guys don't, you know, they don't, even want to, they don't even like the program. I don't even know what the fuck we're doing. But, again... I, you know, people were there staying clean. That meeting's been there a long time, and mm. and you know, I don't, I don't know. I feel like this tradition gives us the right <laughs> to do it. <laughs> so the last reading I had, and it's a long one. Uh, it would seem that we in our groups can do whatever we decide, regardless of what anyone says. This is partly true. Each group does have complete freedom, except when their actions affect other groups or NA as a whole. Like group conscience, autonomy can be a two-edged sword. Group autonomy has been used to justify violation of the traditions. If a contradiction exists, we have slipped away from our principles. If we check to make sure that our actions are clearly within the bounds of our traditions, if we do not dictate to other groups or force anything upon them, and if we consider the consequences of our actions ahead of time, 
then all will be well. I started reading that, and I was like, oh, finally, they're going to address this problem. <laughs> and they didn't. No, not <laughs> at all. They didn't say shit. Mm-mm. So I, I guess as long as you aren't violating the very clear points that are made throughout the 12 traditions, of which there's like two. There's like two clear points. Like nobody can sponsor N.A., right? The church can't give us money to fund N.A. As long as you ain't doing that, you're good. I don't know. We do it all the time, but... <laughs> If you're paying rent at a facility that's $20 a month, <laughs> the church is fucking sponsoring you. <laughs> right. So, I've seen, but that's a side point. That's, yeah. that's for Tradition 7. <laughs> oh, right. I'm ready for that one. Yeah. I was a member of a home group that didn't even know about the reason why we had to pay rent and didn't pay any rent. I was like, oh, yeah, we got to change that. Mm-hmm. Well, I <laughs> think I told you recently there was a meeting that was passing a basket for an outside facility. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But, you know, the intentions were good, but clear violation of traditions. I'm going to pass this basket for Jen's lymphoma. (laughs) Anybody that wants to donate to Jen. But, uh, yeah, it's, there, there really aren't rules, you know, they're really, you're hoping that people that are living a spiritual path are going to try to the best of their ability you know, to to be here and live by the code of the 12 traditions. But as I've learned, and I think you've learned through your experience, that even that understanding of the traditions changes over time. You know, what I think is okay now might be different later. So things that I might have thought were okay or thought weren't okay before, I've learned, you know, that's not necessarily true. So how do I know today what I'm doing is right? I mean... The understanding I have today is it's free-for-all. Anything goes. <laughs> right. like, uh, do whatever you want. Well, you have this guideline of the 12 traditions, like you shouldn't be it's passing out baskets for other <laughs> facilities. <laughs> There's like you two traditions here, right? that lay out actual guidelines. The rest of them are all like, huh, think positively, and good things will come. I'm like, that's what I get out of it. Yeah, but there, I mean, so with the other traditions, you would definitely say a meeting should not be telling people that, if they're on methadone, they need to leave or, you know, shit like that. Like, that seems pretty clearly spelled out. Does it? I think so. It's autonomous. That can be a no-methadone group of Narcotics Anonymous. Yeah, but then you completely violate the fifth tradition. Mm, I don't know. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop using. Isn't that the third tradition? Is it the third? No, I might have got them out Didn't of order. Just but do that yeah, last one? did we do? Yeah, is that what we? <laughs> I can't even remember. Um, yeah, but that's a complete. You know what I mean? Like the only requirement for membership is that. What if that so, group says the that's the only requirement for membership of the program, not the fellowship, and definitely not this group. You can be a member to fellowship. Go ahead. You're I would member. almost bet those meetings exist. I would absolutely <laughs> guarantee it. And at this point, I'm like, I guess it's legal. Yeah, I don't know. And maybe that's the idea is that that is for them. Like if that works for that group, if it's if it's to go back to your God's will thing, like that, if that meeting's existing and it's got mm-hmm. a NA people showing up having an NA meeting, it's God's will. <laughs> like it's the way it's supposed to be. I'd like to welcome you guys to the Suboxone Isn't Sober meeting in our class. What the hell? And you could just do that. And you could say, and they'll say, oh, the third tradition, you're breaking it. You remember when you say you are, or the only requirement's a desire, and you say, yeah, okay, you're a member to fellowship. Don't come to my meeting. Yeah. <laughs> Good yeah. for you, member. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, there's just so many interpretations of this. There's nothing. These traditions say nothing. Well, what's amazing to me is, like, I'm at a point in my life where I'm like, huh, I don't know. I, I mean, I probably wouldn't go to that meeting, but if it opened around here, I wouldn't go out of my way to shut it down anymore. There was a time in my life where I would have went out of my way to try to oh, shut yeah. that shit down. Yeah, I'd have yeah. been at the area upheaval. <laughs> we can't right. let this happen. With the pitchforks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Torches and pitchforks. <laughs> Showing up 30 deep trying to fucking. Right. We're all going to join right. and change it through group <laughs> right. conscience. We're spiritual. Yeah. Yeah, and now know. I'm like, huh, I don't know. I don't want to support it, so I'm not going to go. But right. if other people support it and it goes well, who knows? Twelve traditions that say absolutely nothing, and we just wrote a whole book about it. Apparently, I haven't read it. But. Well, I don't think they say nothing. I think they teach us about spiritual principles, and we start looking at these principles and how to apply them. So, 
you know, we're talking a little bit about like this tradition and you think, well, what good is this to me? Like, what do I, what as a person, what can I take out of this? And what we learn is some, I, you know, personal freedoms. Like I have the freedom to be whoever I want to be with an awareness that I don't want to hurt other people, you know, Mm -hmm. and I can go out and, you know, if I want to have crazy hair or wear crazy clothes or, you know, drive some big giant jacked up truck. Like I should be okay to do those things in my life. I don't need to live this life of conformity or uniformity or whatever. I can have the freedom to be and express myself in any way that I want. As long as I look at how that's affecting other people around me, you know? Okay. And so here we are. We hadn't talked any bit about this going outside of the NA program fellowship uh, dynamic. And I, I was hoping we would a little, but I noticed we do get a little, like, it just seems like it relates to government, so it always goes into a political <laughs> realm. But you, here you go. You bring this up, right? So the guy who doesn't wear a mask but doesn't believe in coronavirus or doesn't think it's all that bad or just thinks it's like the flu and doesn't think we should do anything different. In his view, he is thinking about other people. He's just thinking, all right, I don't wear a mask every flu season. I'm not going to do it now. It's hard to not think from the other side of people who have worn masks because we were told that it was, you know, beneficial for all of society as a whole to not think of that guy as selfish or not following the rules or guidelines. But this tradition kind of does lay it out like you said, like, fuck it. If he doesn't want to wear a mask because that's he doesn't believe he's hurting other people, then he just doesn't wear a mask. Yeah, but I use the traditions more as a reflection on myself, not as a reflection on others and I guess what I mean by that is I'm looking at like what I really only have control over is myself and what I'm doing and is my behavior affecting other people around me is what I'm doing you know impacting my community as a whole like that's all I really have power over well I was looking at it from my viewpoint of the person Like, there's definitely a point in time when I've been like, why can't you just do what the people say is good for everybody, right? And now I'm like, I I guess if this tradition is more accurate and that's that person's interpretation that the mask isn't necessary and he's not harming anybody, I guess he's all right. Like, I don't need to fucking worry about judging him or thinking about him. I guess that's okay. And and maybe this is wrong or maybe it's a coping mechanism for me, but I start to look at a lot of people like that as like almost and this might seem arrogant, but I almost feel sad for those people because I feel like they're uneducated or misinformed, you know, and that there's way too much distractions and shit out there that have them focused on completely the wrong things. Like they're they're so kind of lost on their path that they don't see, you know, how a minor inconvenience of wearing a mask out in the fucking Walmart can help people, and it really can't hurt people. I don't even, look, I am not 100% sold that the mask is really doing anything, especially when they came out with studies early on that said the gator-type masks weren't all that (laughs) great, and that's basically all I wear because it's way more comfortable. I don't know, but I I guess to me, just the chance that it's positive is worth it. Right. I I don't know. And so that's, I guess, back to what you're talking about is like I... If I'm focusing on me and my behavior and what I'm doing, I mean, obviously we look at other people and we can't help but have feelings about what other people are doing. I mean, if a guy's standing out on the corner with, you know, a racist sign, obviously I'm going to think, what a fucking asshole. Or, you know what I mean? If if there's a person that's whatever, you know, doing some other horrible thing, cussing out a lady in the grocery store, obviously I can't help myself to think like that is a terrible human being. <laughs> I mean, those things are going to happen. But, again, I can just have that thought and kind of move on with it. I don't need to take it to the point of self-righteousness where I feel a need to correct or a need to fix or a need to go out and, right. and go against. And I guess with back to the traditions, like that's what I learned in NA is that, you know, these groups can do that stuff. And if I don't agree with them, then maybe I just don't support that. You know, maybe I just don't partake in that. Now, if it gets to the point where there's real harm against other people, maybe that's a, you know, indicator that I need to do something. I can get involved in a group or take action against someone. But for some minor offensive differences of opinion, you know, is it really worth 
getting all upset and angry about? I thought about this last night. We had a little fire out back in my house. It's been a while. My kids were running around being kids. I ended up yelling kind of loudly at my one of my younger ones. Um, and it hurt his feelings. But I was just picturing, thinking a little bit about this tradition, like the autonomy that I'm allowed to do that. And I was wondering like what neighbors would think if they heard it and if one of them would, would think to come say something to me about it. <laughs> like it wasn't brutal or nothing. It was just a loud a loud correction of his behavior after he didn't listen a couple times and that was the end of it for the most part but i'm like how many times have i seen someone in public do this and thought damn am i supposed to step up and i'm not trying to diminish that children are abused and neglected and all those things right i, I don't think that's necessarily what happened in my backyard last night but that is the concern when I think about, do I need to intervene in somebody else's autonomous parenting, <laughs> right? But I guess the part the neighbors didn't see, even if they heard that, I don't know if anybody heard it or not, but the part they didn't see was like an hour later when him and I hugged and we both apologized to each other. And it was like a really fitting end to the situation, right? And I wonder how often I, that's the part I don't see too. And I'm not saying that, that, Look, I don't know how many families have the the loving hug and the apologies right. from each direction, right? I just, I don't know. It made me think a lot more about the whole autonomy and when do I think I need to intervene and why do I think I need to fix everything and and what's right and wrong and and how do we, even as a society, like when there is cases of abuse or emotional abuse or verbal abuse, like how do we prove that and when do we think it's okay to step in and like remove children from homes and it's complicated, man. That's some like really big fucking hard questions that I don't think we have the answers to. Yeah, for sure. I definitely think our society right now is at a place where it's it doesn't feel okay. Like my kids go to a school where they're taught that, "Hey, guess what? It's okay to fail at things. If mm. you try stuff and you fail, that's fine." You know what I mean? I mean, they don't breed failures, but right. they like, that's a part of learning and growing is making yeah. mistakes, falling short, you know. You think you put in enough effort and you didn't and you learn, fuck, you know, what do I do now? Do I beat myself up and feel like a piece of crap? That's what I always did because right. I felt like society was telling me, you're stupid if you fail. You're stupid if you don't, you know. That's the message I got. But, you know, my daughter yesterday went and took her driving test and she didn't pass, you know, and she was a little upset. And, of course, as a parent, I want to, swoop in and say some things and try to make it better and, and all that. And then I have to sit, I choose to sit back for a minute and I'll give her some encouraging words. She's going to take it again Monday and, you know, whatever. But, you know, part of that's like a life experience that we can try to just let her go, hey, man, you know, you tried and it didn't work out, you know, it's, it's life, you, you know. Yeah, right. Now, what do we do? How do we pick ourselves up, move forward, try again? You know, we don't give up. We keep moving. But, you know, you want to, oh, that fucking test is stupid, and they ask dumb questions, and it's all their fault. You know, <laughs> like, it's not your fault. You're perfect. Right. You did everything right. It's all their fault. Like, that's what you want to do. And I think there's too much of that right now in our society. But, you know, I can choose to, like, just let other people be themselves and make mistakes and and just try to be a good example, you know, in my life. Like, that's where the freedom to be me. We, there are a lot of people that would think the school that we send our kids to is not healthy. It's mm -hmm. not good. It's, it should, you know, not exist because it's not really a school. I, we have the autonomy to do that. I, right. I mean, I'm not a hundred percent sure it's right or wrong. It's right for us. You know, I, we like it. Our kids are great. You know, they're functioning fine in the world, just as good as any other kids out there, right. you know, if not better. Um, but you know, that's, that is a gift of this program has been being able to look for things that are, so I'm a conformist. I'm a person that looks for the rules. Like you said, I want rules. Give me rules, give me boundaries, and I'll thrive inside of those boundaries. I know what I'm supposed to do. I know how I'm supposed to do it. But when you start telling me, Hey, you can do whatever you want. You can be whoever you want to be. Like, I don't know how to function in that shit. I, I question myself a hundred times. What are my values? I don't even know what my values right. are. But through this, you know, tradition and, and some of these concepts, like I 
begin to figure out, all right, this is something I think is important. All right. Well, I don't think what traditional school teaches is really all that important, according mm-hmm. to my morals and values. But yet I'll send my kids there because that's what everybody else is doing. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what the government tells me to do. So that's what I do. No, I do it because it's free. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I've learned that I don't have to do stuff just because that's what everyone else is doing. And we're not harming anyone else. You know, we're not hurting anybody. So we have the freedom to go explore this different thing. Yeah, I don't think this tradition translates well into life, but mostly because... I don't think this tradition says anything. So <laughs> I don't know how I would relate it to anything else. Be yourself, do what you want, and let other people be themselves and do what they want, I guess. Well, there is a, a, another encouragement in there to take some personal responsibility on how is what I'm doing affecting other people. Right. You know, And hopefully, again, hopefully if we're in Narcotics Anonymous and we're practicing this program and we're in a home group that wants to rattle some cages or do something different or push some boundaries. We are sort of also looking at the bigger picture of like, how am I affecting NA as a whole? How am I affecting my recovery community? You know, am I creating an atmosphere? Like those are questions that we should be asking ourselves. It's, I don't believe this tradition says, yeah, you're a meeting. You can do whatever you want. It says, you can do whatever you want, but you really should try to stay within these guidelines and boundaries. You know what I mean? When you're making those decisions, it's mm. like you shouldn't just throw that shit out and hear the I'm free to do whatever I want part. You should hear the you're free to do what you want, but really try to stay within these boundaries. And I feel like just the last thing I want to say about this is that reminds me of the Australian dude online that I saw writing about how Americans look at freedom different than how Australians look at freedom. And it was kind of like the idea of, Americans look at freedom of how far can I take doing whatever the fuck I want and you can't step on my rights. Whereas Australians look at the idea of freedom as how can we come together and do what's best for all of us in the spirit of freedom to keep our freedoms. And that kind of reminds me of that, right? And And I think maybe that's a little bit of where America's out of, I don't want to say out of whack, but definitely a little off from my ideas, like my primary purpose and goals and probably taught to me through this fellowship i don't give you know the na steps and traditions enough credit sometimes i'm like oh yeah i was just born this way and i came this not really (laughs) like i was a self-centered guy who would steal anything from you to get more drugs like that's who i was and now a lot of my life kind of guided by these traditions is like let's make decisions that are best for all even if they're not best for me at the gas pump or even if they're not best for me in taxes like if I'm doing a little better, cool, take it, dude, do something for people who ain't like my ultimate goal is usually about the whole, I think. Yeah. Sort of. There's a lot of selfishness still too. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to act like, like creeps I'm, in all over the place. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not like some saint. Don't get me wrong here, but there is a lot of guidance towards what's good for us. Right. And I don't feel like I see that from everyone in the world. A lot of it is what's good for my, myself, what's good for my pocket. I'm mad gas prices went up. I'm mad they're thinking about raising taxes. I'm mad they're like, it definitely seems a lot about what's good for me. And it doesn't seem like there's any consideration of the second portion of that is what's good for me that also doesn't negatively affect everyone else. Right. And that's where I believe the traditions, you know, translate into my life is like what person do I want to be? Do I want to conform to what everyone else is doing? Or do I want to try to live closer to my own mm. morals and values? You know, and the tra- I've used the traditions in my life to kind of steer me more in that direction. Because again, my nature is the same. I am naturally self-centered. If I don't set up my own set of sort of guideposts, like I easily revert back to self-centeredness. You have just completely convinced me that this tradition is the best tradition ever. <laughs> Like that quick, I've changed my mind. You know what? This tradition is great. It's not about the rule of what you can and can't do. That was never the point. And now I get it, and now I love it. The <laughs> great. I, I do. No. I I, the, the, the point is, while you're thinking about living your best life, don't forget part two, right. which is, hey, as long as that doesn't affect others. Like, don't go rushing into what's best for you until you consider how it affects everyone. Hmm. 
And that's beautiful. I think we do forget part two often. I, I always forget part two. I'm like, what's best for <laughs> right. me? Fuck my family. Right. Where do I want to go today? Right. You know, they're in my way of getting to where I want to go instead of what can I, what's the best thing I can do? Maybe the best thing I can do that also considers my family's well-being isn't number one on my list. Maybe it's number three. But if I consider part two of the statement, right, then I can say, okay, well, number three is still cool to me. Still yeah. the third coolest thing I could still do. Works. Yeah, let me skip one and two and, and do this three because that's good for all of it. Awesome. Ooh, yeah, I love it now. All right, done with that. <laughs> um, So we uh we don't ever talk about this, but we have a little PayPal donation button on our website. <clears throat> and I was never going to bring it up because I saw no reason to because I'm not a beggar. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Julie, Julie has given us a recurring payment because she believes our podcast is a good deed to society i guess oh, that's amazing. Or, or something thank you right. julie so this episode was brought to you by julie yay thank you julie <laughs> that's awesome um i also wanted to bring up that a long time ago i had told you that i th- oakland was like crushing it and in, in listening to us like for some reason we're big in oakland i guess huh. um and it, as an update to that there's some other places that are starting to pick up some some listening traffic and so i wanted to shout out to philly seattle columbus ohio and new york wow that's I, fucking amazing. I just, just think, odd places. Who like, even Columbus? cares to listen? <laughs> is Columbus a big city? I, I don't. I don't think it is. Right, Columbus, Ohio. I mean, uh, I've heard of it, but I don't think it was like big. I went to a UFC fight there one time. Yeah, if they got UFC fights, they must be big. I mean, it's a city. Definitely okay. a city. But yeah, and then, I mean, you know, there's a lot of other places too. Obviously, VA, PA, Delaware, Maryland. That's all the local spots. I don't know why I expect the local spots to listen more, especially when I don't I do really, too. I don't That's know what, anybody in Virginia. So all I think <laughs> is that people in Elkton listen to us. <laughs> like, and that's it. Elkton's like, not people even that like know me. That's top the, that's two the only people that would listen. And probably no, anyone that knows me doesn't want to listen to me. They hear me babble on too much. <laughs> right. I think people that know me definitely don't do <laughs> Right. I'm like, oh, he, oh, yeah. I would listen to that if it wasn't for him. Right. Um. But yeah, and then, you know, some people in England and stuff, they're they're noticeable too. So thank you, everybody. I uh, just wanted to give some acknowledgement. We did get a thing of feedback from Austin. Uh, he said, it was, it was about the humor episode. He said, hey guys, I love the new episode, especially because I love humor and think life is too short to not be funny. With that being said, I also know I've hurt people's feelings before and had to make amends because my sense of humor may be different from theirs. So I have to choose my audience wisely so that I don't have to make an amends. If I can avoid making an amends, I'm going to, but I will make an amends when it's due. It took me a lot of time to think before I speak because I used to just spout off anything I thought was funny, which ultimately ended up hurting people's feelings. So the moral of the email is to make sure you know your audience before the jokes. And I think that fits in a lot with kind of where we came to a lot about the situation, right? Um, I'm with Austin. I, do I think I am filtered enough to where I will never offend people? Obviously not, because I'm the one that brought up that topic after I offended someone. <laughs> but I do think where I'm at now is a whole lot different than where I started, which was just, fuck you if you don't like my jokes. Um, right. And and that's what I was going to say. <laughs> I think what I take away from that episode as well was, you know, I can make a joke and I can think it's funny, but if it hurts someone I, you know, said it to, it. Is it really a big deal to go, oh, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to offend you. I was just trying to be funny. Like, or do I need to defend my right to be funny? <laughs> like, I heard you say that in there, and I felt like we completely ignored it during the episode, but I did hear it. <laughs> I didn't miss it. Uh, also, one other thing that we got some feedback, um, Stephanie. Stephanie is actually the person who created our logo. Oh, yeah. And Thank she you, created our, logo. our old logo, too. Awesome. Uh, because she saw it and just felt sorry for how terrible the original <laughs> looked. And she did that one. Just She was like, hey, look, take this because what you got is rough. Nice. Um, and then, you know, we went back to her when we were actually ready to, like, purchase a logo. Yeah, nice. And we, we love that, too. So, But uh, funnily enough, I've known Stephanie for years now. Um, and she, her company is OK Logo. She does logos for people. And I, I just like the way she thinks logo-wise. I, I'm like, that's not the way I think. So I'm, like, in awe every time she does <laughs> something. I'm like, wow, that's cool. Um, so I've known her for years. And I mean, you got to think our, our, the logo she did when the shit was rough looking was like last June or July, maybe July. So what's that like nine months ago? Yeah. So she messages me yesterday. Hey, I just listened to the podcast for the first time. 
was like, you made the logo like nine months ago. Um, but she, she did say, she was like, uh, I listened to the podcast for the first time today. It made me laugh, feel angry, and do some self-examination. We'll be listening again. Oh, And I was like, oh, well, that was pretty sweet. Even though it took you nine months, Stephanie. <laughs> right. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it was nice. Uh, beyond that, I think that's all the catching up I have to do. Yeah, And I had some feedback oh. from a friend, Steve. He mentioned that he listened to the episode on uh, the sex addiction and found it you know, really informative and, and useful and insightful. So thanks for listening, Steve. Appreciate it. See, you're thanking him for listening. I was going to make a joke about how he must be a sex addict. <laughs> Steve the sex addict. That's awful. Uh, I don't know who Steve is, but thanks, Steve. Um, and yeah, I think I think that episode was, uh, both the ones we did about sex addiction, I think were pretty informative. And it's something that I don't think in many areas we talk about a lot as drug addicts, I guess. It's almost like we look at it like, oh, man, hey, at least I ain't using drugs no more. Right. Like, whatever happens on this side right, of that is fine. but I can fine. do anything else. Right, <laughs> and and I think there is a lot of still acting out, using type behaviors that keep us. And then look, it's not about, like, how awful are you behaving. It's like, man, that keeps us from freedom. Yeah, it keeps, keeps us, you trapped. Right, it keeps us from the peace and serenity of, like, not having that stuff. So, yeah, if you got sex issues, uh, Listen to them or seek help or do whatever it is you need to do to to try to find relief. Any issues, just find relief. Relief is nice. Yeah. Now I'm babbling. <laughs> All right. You got anything? No. Cool. No. Uh, great episode. Tradition four, go out and don't tell anybody else how to live their life unless they're fucking your life up or something. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> go out and every time you think about what's best for me, think about part two. Does that do well for everyone else as well? Right? Okay, see you next week. Bye. Share this podcast with people in your life who might enjoy it. Check out recoverysortof.com to find our episodes and link up with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're always looking for new and interesting ideas for topics, sort of. If you have any ideas for episodes or think you have something to come on and talk about, reach out to us. <laughs>